This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome to the second episode of the Oak Road Hatter podcast. And we would like to start this week by thanking everyone for listening to our first recording last week. And we were generally surprised and shocked by the amount of people who actually listened. And we were particularly thankful to the ones that gave us a little bit of feedback as well. And once again today, joined by Stephen Day on Zoom. Stephen, how are you doing? Not too bad yourself. I'm doing well, thank you. But I'm starting to feel a little concerned about our position. I'm starting to feel a little bit concerned about the yeah. points in between, but I think we'll save that chat for the rest of the podcast. So today we will start by briefly looking into Saturday's draw with Huddersfield Town before looking into our current striking situation and what we expect to do in the summer. As always, we'll go back through our five polls from this week and it's fair to say we've been overwhelmed by responses again. We then look ahead to Saturday's clash with Birmingham City and discuss how important three points there would be. So I think the best place to start, Stephen, would be the Huddersfield game and it started brilliantly. We took the lead after 11 minutes, dominated the first half, but I think ultimately we needed that second. Yeah, exactly. We we really needed that second because obviously now that, now that we've come away from that with one point, it's just... It's awful thinking about those chances that we missed and how could easily just come away with that with three points if we were clinical, but we've lost our clinical touch recently. Definitely. And going back to that opener, it was a very well worked goal with with Dewsbury Hall, I think it was, won the ball back into Pelly's path and he flicked it onto Cornick, who basically laid it on a plate for Collins to finish. How good was that to see? It, it was it was a good goal. It was like it felt like a typical like uh, a typical Luton goal from when we won League One. It was a midfield to the wing, wing, you know, either down down the run down the wing or pass down the wing, cross in goal, 
sort of just almost as easy as that. And as I was thinking, hopefully we can uh, push on and get a few more of those. But as I said, fortunately, we just couldn't be more clinical. And when we score goals like that, you think, all right, how easy was that? We've got to score a fair few more here. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's, that is just the difference between Championship and League One, that we can expect to see those goals almost week in, week out in League One. But last season, this season, we're not going to see it all the time. I think mean, that's why we're struggling to score as well. And then sort of the second half, it was disappointing enough. They equalised and it was a quite a sloppy one to concede with. Don't know who's primarily to blame, but it looked a bit of a miscommunication between whether Sluger was going to come forward and sort of pick up the pieces or whether Bradley or Ray should have came in with clearing the ball. How did you see it? It was, yeah, as you said, it's just sloppy and just really, really disappointing to concede a goal like that. And again, with the championship, you're going to get punished if you're sloppy. And with it as well, don't get me wrong, they were not a bad side, but they were a team that had lost five, drawn one, and picked up a point in six games. So, it, it, I don't want to be one of those people that say, oh, teams like Huddersfield or whatever, because they are a decent championship side. They, they're they just going for a bit of a dodgy patch. But when you've had such a dominant first half, surely we've got to be thinking about only three points from that position. Yeah, I, I think the way I see it is that it's not a teams like Huddersfield and it's not teams like uh, um, Wickham and all that where, we should expect to beat them. It's more, we should expect ourselves to be better on the day rather than we should expect to beat an opposition. It's, it's not about like how Graham Jones talks about targeting games that were winnable. It's more about making sure that we do, well, we control the controllables, as John still say. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a thing where we really need to sort of be as I keep saying, a lot more clinical because we will get punished if we're sloppy and we're going to be missing out on three points here and there if we, if we just don't put the games to bed. There was a lot of time after that equaliser and also there's been a lot of talk about subs being made too late. So surely when we're 1-0, a game we want to be winning, want to be taking to, uh, to Huddersfield, surely we should be making these subs a lot earlier. Yeah, we should be. And I think this is one of the things with Nathan Jones that we, we seem to know is that he he can either be on, on point with the substitutions or he can get them completely wrong and get the timings wrong. It, it just seems as if he's, he's so inconsistent with it that obviously week in, week out, we don't know what position we're going to be in come... 60 minutes, 70 minutes when substitutions need to be made and we don't know whether he's going to make the right decision or wrong decision and it seems more often than not at the moment he's making the wrong decision. And it's not the first time the lateness of the subs have been mentioned, does it? No, exactly and it happens often enough and it's it's upsetting when he goes on about these game changes but then he doesn't give them the chance to change the game, really. And so, with, yeah. that, with that as well, we had Adebayo on the bench, we had Hilton on the bench, we had Ince who got 10 minutes at the end, but 
with all that attacking talent, I thought today we'd look into our striking situation and discuss what we expect to happen now for the rest of the season. And with Colin scoring, that will hopefully boost his confidence more. Um, but his contract expires in the summer. So what do you see the future for Collins? I think I think he'll be with us. I can't see him going anywhere else until until he uh, hits an age where he's not going to grow too much. Obviously, now he's probably not going to grow too much, but he's still gaining championship experience. And I think it's, I think I think he'll he'll stay with us for another year or two at least, and then he might see about options maybe in a a lower championship side. Obviously, we aren't a bigger championship side, but I can see him maybe wanting to change it up the end of his career but at the moment I can see him staying with us for a while so I just really hope that he signs that contract soon enough because he came from well is he came through was he come through the academy of Coventry and there was rumours I believe so rumours last season about him potentially making a return had we got relegated so that is something that is sort of worrying me a little bit that we don't tie him down to a new deal. He leaves on a free to a club, basically, where it all began. So it's it's a nervy time. Yeah, it is. It is nervy, but I, as I said, I, I think I think I'm, I'm confident that he'll uh, he'll remain with us for at least at least another year. Maybe we'll see like a before the end of the season, we'll see like a year's extension, and then he might, you know, see his career out somewhere else where he can you know, help a, help another team out, really. But I guess that's a little less worrying now that we've signed Adebayo, someone that is viewed as a player for the future. He is 23, so he is someone that could be called upon now. But I think the way he was brought in, it was for someone as someone to replace Collins in the future. Yeah, exactly. And I think with... With him being 23, he's, he's the sort of player that we need to get introduced to the side as soon as possible. Because if if we do lose out on Collins, if he has an offer that intrigues him and makes him want to leave, then we've got to have someone that's good enough. And we don't know whether Adebayo is good enough or not without seeing him play. Obviously, we don't see him in training, but it's one of those things where we know that Collins can score when he's called upon. Sometimes he misses but every striker does but with without a buyer we need to see what he's got and that yeah that again comes down to whether he could be viewed as someone that will go on loan at the start of next season in in league one like Osho and Kyoso have both done it remains unseen if that is sort of the avenue he'll go down or whether he will be viewed as a starter next season yeah, exactly. And I think he's just joined, so we can't really say whether he's a, a player that will be going on loan or not. It's just a matter of we need to we need to see what he's got and whether he's good enough for the first team yet, or if we have to look for another striker that's at least top top end of League One quality, if not championship quality. And then with all this sort of attacking talent coming in at the sort of the end of the window with Ince and Adebayo, what does this mean for Hilton? Because there's all this talk about when he gets that first goal, but how long can that go on for? I think I think it's got to the point where it's he it's not going to get to a point where it's scoring 
that first goal is going to mean he's going to score more. I think it's going to be the sort of case where it's a goal here and there. If he does score between now and the end of the season, it'll be a goal here and there. But I can't see him scoring too many in the championship. He's he's shown that he he can get in the right positions, but he doesn't have that quality now. He's lost that sharpness to to get himself poised to score. And again, with that with that open goal miss offside or not. It just shows that he's lost his his magic, really. And it's unfortunate, isn't it? Because I think every Luton fan loves what he's done for the club. He's been he's been a brilliant part of everything that we've done up until the championship. So to see him potentially leave at the end of summer will will be disheartening. Yeah, exactly. And I think it'll it'll be sad to not give him a good a good send off if he does leave in the summer. But I think. I think I said last week it's just I, I'd say it's the best thing for his career to leave us and go drop down to League One or even League Two and he can maybe enjoy another promotion or two before he before he uh, retires. And we we touched on it as well about Nombe, whether that is the end end of him and I, I in my opinion yes I don't think we'll see too much of him anymore but he's still got he's still got a good few months to prove himself to maybe earn himself a, a full a permanent move to a championship club yeah exactly and i think i think with nombe it's if he if he can come on and make a difference in a few games we might we might um exercise the chance to buy him it's just a matter of is he impressing the uh impressing mick and and nathan jones and and the board enough for them to want to sign him or is it now at a point where his his chance is sort of gone and he'll end up being a a League One player or stay with Milton Keynes next season? And I think with Nombe, with Hilton, they are two players that I imagine will perform very well in League One should they be there next season. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they would. I think Nombe has got the the drive it seems like to be a player that that can be it can be good in the lower leagues of the football league. It's just we'll have to wait and see, really, won't we? Yeah, yeah, because there's well, obviously, there's no guarantee that we'll be a championship club. But wherever we are, I think like it was going to be viewed last season, wherever we are, will determine what happens with them because we could quite easily drop into League One, and Hilton could have another brilliant season like he like he has done before yeah exactly and moving on to these polls because that is becoming integral to what we do now the first one was are we in a relegation fight and surprisingly i I don't know where it all came from but we got loads of votes for this one and 68 percent voted no if i'm right could have been drastically changed after this weekend's game so what did you make of that? It's quite interesting because we've seen now that we're six points away from, from the relegation zone. So saying for a lot of people to say that we're not in a relegation fight is, as I said, interesting. And it's it, it, it can be true if, if we start picking up points. But I think we've now got into the point where it's a, it's got really tight within the uh, the bottom 10 
in the league. So a, a few weeks start picking up points and we easily see ourselves drop into a relegation fight. And it's almost like last season, although I think the difference between this season and last season that we we didn't have the confidence that we were going to stay up last year. We we sort of conceded under Graham Jones that we were going down and then Nathan Jones changed it around. So I think people have got the confidence in Nathan Jones to turn it around still. It's just, will he or won't he? And yeah, and with that as well, it was it was a miracle basically last year how we stayed up, that we was still a championship club by the end of it. But we couldn't, we couldn't rely on anything like that again. So keeping a clear distance between that's got to be the ultimate priority right now. Yeah, exactly. And it, it just means that we need we need three points this weekend. We need to have a strong February as well. One point to start off with isn't too bad. It's not the worst thing. And I think hopefully hopefully we can take our way take ourselves away from uh from the relegation zone. And yeah, with that we also asked about as our second poll, does Luke Berry have enough of an impact to be a starting player? And I think it was our closest run poll yet with 55% of fans thinking he does warrant to start in place. To be fair, Stephen, I'm very much on the fence for this one. I sometimes see enough from him that makes me think, yes, he should be. But then there's also games where I think he just doesn't have the influence. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think, I think he's a very good player to have on when it's a, a match that isn't so important. He's he sort of like, same as a lot of Luton players at the moment, like the game can just sort of bypass him, but he's, he's, got, the, he's got the knowledge of games and the, and the power to pick out passes here and there when he wants and when he, when he can, but a lot of the time he's not strong enough to to really beat championship midfielders and defenders and not fast enough to get himself on the ball and beat beat players to the ball. It's it's a matter of like when he's fresh and fit, he can do a job. But in my opinion, I wouldn't say he's, you know, enough to be a starting player over over the likes of some of our other midfielders. Because it seems our our midfield, I I personally think, has got better and better as the season's progressed and a large chunk of that's due to Dewsbury Hall but I think he's the only one of the midfield that hasn't got better with Dewsbury Hall coming in I think Pelly is well over the last couple of games has been brilliant but yeah actually I, I say that but Ray as well I, I think Ray can be dodgy still still think there's games that Ray he needs to gain a bit more consistency, but Berry, he just hasn't risen with Dewsbury Hall. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it is because he, as I said, like he, he's good enough to be in a team, but he doesn't like put anything out of the bag anymore. Like I remember some goals he scored last season, uh, sorry, League One season. They were brilliant goals and he'd create a lot of goals, but this season is it's more of a, he just slots into the team, does a job, and you can, you know, take bring him in, take him out, and it doesn't really matter too much. And I think the I think Drewsbury Hall does a lot more creating than what Berry does, whether or not they're both on the pitch or not. And it, it 
seems to take away from Barry's creativeness when Drewsbury Hall's on the pitch. But at the same time, I think it's his quality as well within the league. And staying on the subject to Dewsbury Hall, the third poll was whether he was the best player to ever, well, not to ever, to wear the Luton shirt since the turn of the decade. Not decade, what am I talking about? Since the turn of the century. But is that so, something you agreed with? Do you mean the turn of the millennium? Do you know what? That's what you wrote I mean, down. That's what you yeah, wrote down here. I wrote down, but I, I kept asking, I kept asking before I post up, asked my girlfriend, it's the same thing in that century millennium because it, but I just didn't know which one to put down for the question. So it, I think in the end, it <laughs> go for millennium, but I've just got the two confused in my head now. Yeah. But yeah, That's century fair. millennium, whichever, yeah, whichever one we're going for. Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, what what were the what was the poll results on that? It was fifty nine percent said yes, he was the best player to open shirt since two thousand. Which... A lot of people said yeah, that is that's very controversial to me because I I don't agree with that at all. No, I think I think there's a lot of better players that have have played for us than him. Not there's not a mountain of players, but. In my opinion, there's other players like you've got to think of. I mean, I don't really remember him, but Berkovich, he was he was one of those players that my aunt and a lot of people that I know they go to Luton that um have seen have had season tickets for years, they they talk about Berkovich as if he was, you know, one of the one of the best players I've ever had. Um, which may not be too true, but it's he sort of gives it gives off that sort of a perspective of him. Um, I think Steve Howard, we've got the likes of Sol Davis as well, Kevin Nichols. There's a lot of players that I think would probably be above him. And we've got to think within that as well that we probably have a fair few people voting, like people that are probably under our age gap that do not remember these players at all. So they're, they're just going since whenever they were born and do not have any recollection of these players. So that's yeah, exactly. In, in Dewsbury Hall's favour. I mean, even, even with our age bracket, because we're, we're both 22, we we started going one when uh, we started dropping down the league. So we... Uh, didn't see too many good players. Didn't see... Stuff, didn't, did didn't see... <laughs> I remember Rowan Vine was like my favourite player when I first started going to Luton. And he's one of the only players that I really remember. I remember Chris Coyne and players like those but as you said there's not a lot to remember other than the likes of Tom Craddock and and Chris Martin and Cord Napka and all that so yeah I can see why I can see why a lot of people are saying that he is the best but you gotta think it's only for a season and it's yeah it's very surprising that a lot of people are saying it but at the same time I understand as well yeah, because also with that, the majority of comments that we did get that were suggesting other names, people were saying J- James Justin, of course. Exactly, James it's, Justin. It's fair enough, but with, with JJ, and he was part of an already strong League One side. He was at the top of his game and he had the players to around him that were also at that quality at the top end of League One. So I think that's what's made Jewsbury Hall this season such a joy to watch because we're mid-table sort of bottom half side and he's he's helping us dominate games against Bournemouth, Brentford, some of the biggest 
biggest teams in this division. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that does help him with, with this sort of vote. But you know, I think with James Justin, he, it wasn't just the League One season that he was brilliant for. It was from his debut to in against Exeter at the end of our mid-table League Two season to then a few months later uh, putting most of the Aston Villa players in his back pocket on his uh like on his um first start for the team, I think it was. Um and yeah, so he he he, he obviously had a good team around him, but he I I think it's hard to discredit that as well, where obviously Jewsbury Hall is doing a lot for the team this year, but James Justin just yeah, he, he did a lot for the team as well, I think. It might be a little bit controversial here, but I, I still think Stacey had more of an impact. I still think Stacey, in that season, I'm not saying he's gone on to do better things, but in that season, I think Stacey was our best player. Oh, yeah. He was he was brilliant. And I think it's just with, with James Justin, it was just a matter of like, he was just a little bit younger, a little a little oh, less... Position as well. Um, Sorry? He's out of position, James Justin, playing at left-back. I know he's, he's grown into a role, a left-back role at Leicester as well, but he was only playing there because Stacey was so good. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Nathan Jones loves Dan Potts for some reason. <laughs> I don't think he's that great, but Nathan Jones loves him. He seems to be in the team all the time, and he has been for the last four years, five years, so can't really, uh, can't really say too much about that. But, yeah, he... Uh, yeah, James Austin was kept out of his best position, but still, I think that's another reason why he's probably, in my opinion, better than different positions, but better than Drewsbury Hall. Yeah, I guess within that, we've just opened ourselves up for another couple of polls in that with with your Potts view and my <laughs> Daisy view as well. I think there's exactly polls to be made out of that. And our fourth poll was looking a little bit into the future could we mount a serious promotion challenge in the next three years where 61% thought yes, which I think was fair enough. I can see it happening, but equally, if we're still a championship club in three years' time, I'll be happy. Oh, yeah, exactly. Even if, even if we went down and came back up again, I'd be, I'd be happy. Just obviously the, the reduced income of going down to League One would be a bit harsh on us, but... You know, I'm. I think we could. I, I, I'm probably in one of the, uh, probably one of the people that were like would would have voted for yes, we can promote that can mount a serious promotion challenge, but at the same time, it's there's a lot of factors that go into it, and I think we're not going to be able to buy players that Brentford can afford. That even Aussie, they're they're doing quite bad at the moment, but couldn't even afford the sort of players that Nottingham Forest can afford. They've got, what is it, Glenn Murray that's just gone into them now as well. So it's we we can't really afford the lifestyles. And I don't think staying in the Championship for three years would, would even get us to that point of being able to afford the likes of a £20,000 a week player. So I think if we were to mount a serious promotion challenge, it'd have to be... From, from the fact that we're playing brilliant football like Leicester really like sort of a Leicester sort of feat for a season it's, it's not a I don't think it'll be a we've got the perfect side for it it'll be a gritty gritty kind of 
gritty kind of like, yeah similar to what we saw Huddersfield go up to when they when they I think they were promoted with a negative goal difference oh, back I remember in that. 27 I think it was 2017 when they had Izzy Brown actually but yeah, yeah I think, and then they went on to win the playoffs without scoring a goal they only relied on penalties yeah so, yeah it would probably have to be something like that where we're not playing that expansive football that I guess we're trying to still play. Well, I, I think it's. I think it's more. It'd just be that we've just Nathan Jones just hit the tactics on the head for the players. And it, it wouldn't be a matter of we've got the best players in the league. It'd be a matter of we've got probably one of the best managers in the league that knows what he's doing with the players. Sort of how you saw Alex Ferguson do it with the Man United players. They were never. There was only a few world world class players in those sides that Ferguson had, and then the rest of it was. Bang average, <laughs> controversial. I think United, United, United have something as well. to say about that. <laughs> yeah, but um, bang average sort of Premier League players that he just got the best out of, and I think that's that's what we can sort of see coming from Nathan Jones if he stays. But it's just a matter of if it if all the stars align, then maybe we can. But it's as as I've said. And probably waffled and kept going a lot for the last like <laughs> ten minutes. It's just a, it'd have to be. It's a big if at the end of the day. It's a big yeah, it's if because a lot there's of a lot factors of things, go into it. Yeah, a lot of things that need to happen for that to be a question. It it probably means we don't get relegated because going back to don't the get relegated. Those clubs like Ipswich, Sunderland, even yeah, Carlton are struggling a little bit. I know they're sort of around the playoffs, but they're still struggling exactly so it's yeah at the end of the day it's it's essentially keeping the championship side that we are aiming to do and then sort of building season upon season exactly it's just a matter of making sure that we're not buying players that are never going to become championship players it's it's got to be building for the future and hoping that that helps rather than being able to splash our cash and hopefully get the players that can win us the league. And sticking to our, our players that we currently got, our fifth and final poll looked at the most unfairly criticised players. And who did you vote for out of Pelly, Collins and Cornick? Most criticised? Yeah, yeah. Who was our most unfairly criticised player? I... S- I still say Pelly. I think he gets a lot more stick than what he he deserves. I I love him so much, and I think I think he's been obviously one of our best players for a while. He doesn't look like the sort of best player in our team consistently, but I think he just he, I think he does a lot more for the team than what you can sort of see immediately on the pitch, and I think. He does get a lot of unnecessary criticism, and sometimes it, it it does get to me a bit. I'm like, like they people need to lay off of him because he's he's been with us for so long, and it's not a matter of he's untouchable because he's been with us for so long, and we can't criticize him. But I think he just gets a bit too much. But at the same time, sometimes his attitude on the pitch draws it in, sort of thing. It's like a when you see a player that 
every now and again drops, lets his head drop and doesn't give everything for every single second of the game, players will get on their back. But then a minute later, he'll play a he'll play a pass that you know leads to a goal or leads to the setup of a goal. And it's like that's why he's in the that's why he's in the team. That's why we all a lot of us love him because he's just he can do that. And the thing with Pelly is that he's had to adapt to four different levels of football with us. He's had to adapt to National League when he initially joined as a West Ham Academy graduate, I think he was at the time, to League Two, to League yeah. One, to the Championship. That to even still be playing at that level is some achievement. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of those things that people say that, oh, because he's done that, it means that people say that you can't criticise him. It's like, obviously, you can criticise players that have bad games, but I think people just notice his game, his bad games, more than what they notice others. Like, I like Jordan Clark. I like a lot of the players that we play at the moment, but often enough, I'll, I'll come away from a game thinking, what have they done? They've done nothing this game. They've, they've, done, they've offered us almost absolutely nothing. And it's, sometimes it's just like, Pelly just seems to be a scapegoat. Yeah, opinion. the same. Old, that's that's mainly why I put that question out because I think there are players that do get more criticism than others. Like you say, there's players that will have a bad game and nothing will be said. But if Pelly or Cornick or even Collins has a bad game, you'll know about it. You'll know about it through going on social media afterwards. You'll know it's not been their best game and others yeah. get away with it. I think a lot of last season, I was the sort of person that would give a lot of stick to Harry Cornick, even though he scored, I think it was nine in all comps last season. I still, there were so many times where I thought he's literally the difference between us getting three points and and not. And like, it, it just, some of his shots and decision-making was just, would just leave me thinking like, I just, I just wish we'd get rid of him because he's, he misses so many charges, but I'm I'm glad we haven't. It's just it was a, just a sort of in the moment thing, and I think maybe last season I probably would have said corner gets most of the unfair criticism because he actually did create and do a lot of things for us. So just big moments, he'd he'd make mistakes. Yeah, and Collins as well. Collins was the second highest in that poll with twenty seven percent of the votes, and. Oh, yes. What were the uh, results like in order? So it was 45% Pelly, Collins got yeah. 27, Cornick 20, and then others uh, was down to eight. So that's where yeah. I think Hilton maybe comes in. Yeah. Is he gets quite, I know he's not getting the game time, which is probably why not too many people voted there. But yeah, he does get a lot of criticism, but also a lot of people sticking up for him. Yeah, exactly. And I think. It, that that sort of uh, all makes sense to me the way the way the poll has gone. It it makes sense that people think that Pelly is probably the most unfairly criticised because there does seem to be a bit sometimes a bit of an agenda against him, as I said. Um, and then what was it? Did you say it was Collins? Collins thing. So he was second second in there, which again he is a criticised player. He doesn't he didn't score for eight eight games, I think it was in the end after his hat trick against Preston. Where he looked unplayable, that hat trick. Yeah, Preston. They weren't just tappings. They were very well worked goals. Exactly, and I think, I think it, it's for me like 
it does make sense that, that he's seen as one of the more unfairly criticized players because he, uh, he, as I said, like he does with like the same with Pelly. He does a lot for the team and he runs a lot. I, when he misses big chances, as well, I, I get a bit upset about it and I, I criticize him a bit. But you then you then watch him for the next ten minutes and he's running about chasing everything down. He's running onto the wings, whether that's what Jones wants him to do or not. It's he does a lot for for the for the squad like going forward. It's just he sort of lost lost his sort of a striker's touch really recently. And at the same time, our team can't seem to create enough for him to sort of get a, a few goals. Because if he if we were creating a bit more, I I should think he'd probably score every two or three weeks. He wouldn't go eight games without scoring. He'd probably go more like two games without scoring. Yeah, so, yeah. I think it's seems un. He seems well. All three of them seem to be a bit unfairly treated, but that's because that's what social media does. Social media exactly. has those comments to people. It, yeah, basically, it it elevates a problem more than it actually more than the actual problem is. If that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Just just for that is. We've got nowhere else to really talk about Luton. I've been on social media at the moment. Can't go, can't talk to people about them in the pub after the games or before games. It's just this. So, yeah. And then moving on to Birmingham on Saturday, it's becoming a very big game for us now, isn't it? Yeah. I think I said earlier, we're, I think we're six points ahead of the relegation zone and Birmingham are. The team that are six points behind, so it it's sort of a six pointer. But if we if we lose, there's other teams that will still be below us. It's just uh, we need three points, no matter what. It's just about steering clear of those relegation, that just that scrap because anything can happen. We saw whole last year just completely collapse under the pressure. Exactly. Of Charlton as well. They were Charlton they they started good. flying high at the start of the season and then it all fell apart. And I think we just don't want to be that team that that goes from mid table, sort of higher mid table, to dropping into the to the relegation zone. And it we just need the three points. We just need to carry on getting draws and wins, but we need. Games, games like, Bert, like the Birmingham game, we just need to show our quality and hopefully get three points. And as you said, their defeat to Bournemouth during the week or at the weekend, I think it was at the weekend, um, meant that they entered the relegation places for the first time and into 22nd. And I saw a joke post saying that it was a touching tribute to Jude Bellingham after they retired his shirt. And which was the number two, uh, 22 shirt. So how strange was that, by the way? Oh, I still don't get it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know who thought it would be a good idea. I don't know who let it happen as well. I don't like, was it just one person that thought it was a good idea and then they just went for it or not? I just, it's just one of those weird things in football that happens is like, why? Because there wasn't, why? much of a backstory other than he left and that was his shirt number it wasn't anything yeah. more than that because if there was then fair enough but 
he'd come through the possible. youth team, started playing as what a sixteen year old, and he was doing brilliantly. And then he left for millions of pounds to Dortmund, and then they retired his shirt. And it's just like those millions of pounds obviously will help Birmingham out, but it's not enough to warrant retiring the shirt. Yeah, yeah, I guess in that way, yeah, it's just it helps the club massively, but yeah, not to retire a shirt. It's, I think they've missed the point with that. But four goals in the last eight, one win in 11, and only one win against teams in the bottom half this season. So why isn't that filling me with any confidence at all? <laughs> because it's Luton. <laughs> the QPR I saw game. all of that and I thought it, it should fill me with so much confidence going into a game, but it's, it's it just doesn't. No, QPR game. They were yeah. without a win in nine, and they beat us easy, sort of easy. It was we didn't really to, fight too much. It was similar to Huddersfield, wasn't it? Because they were on quite a dodgy run. And yeah, I, I really thought with their with their no wins away from home in what seven or eight games, I thought that's it. We've we've uh, lost this game, but. <laughs> Luckily, we didn't, but this sort of, this again just feel, thinks, makes me think that we're, it could be an easy, easy like banana skin and we could just easily slip up. I hope not, but <laughs> it's Luton. I look at that and I, don't, I just not feel the confidence either. And in the reverse fixture, it was quite a difficult one to take in the end because. We battered them for 80 minutes. And then it was what I think it was one all in the end, but they looked they looked in the last 10 minutes like they should have taken all three points. Yeah, I don't think I uh, caught that game because of work. So I can't say too much. But yeah, so yeah. the overall yeah, feeling from that was that we played played some of the, our best football that that day for 80 minutes and then for some reason the last 10 minutes were just we were hanging on for our lives really it was not nice to watch but at the same yeah. time we produced some of the best football so it was a bit of a weird yeah. to digest after that sort of a typical looting game then yeah I guess you can say that yeah where, where we do show plenty of promise but then at the end it's yeah a bit of a difficult one but Exactly, yeah. And then we go to St Andrews for the second time this season after playing Coventry in a boring nil-nil. But Troy Deeney this week took a swipe at the pitch, something that we've seen managers say about Kenilworth Road. But it's quite... I just I don't get that at the moment because with everything that's going on, teams haven't had time to lay down their pitches like they would any any normal season. St Andrews is playing double, well, is having double the amount of games it usually have on it. So I, I don't know what they can expect. I I don't either really like. I I mean I will probably see that pitch and think that is an awful pitch, but at the same time you've got to take into effect the as you said, there's two teams play on it. Teams didn't have time to relay their pitches, so. It's not worth having a swipe at it really as a player or a manager, but everyone's got the right to complain as well because you've got to think the standard of 
of football and championship is that of what the Premier League in like early 2000s. That's what some pundits have likened it to. And it's, it's kind of like, I can see why players will expect the, the facilities to be as good as they can be. And obviously, St. Andrews doesn't come up, uh, fit that bill sort of thing. It's, it's a bit, you know, the pitch is ripped apart, but you can't really do anything about that at this point. And we'll, we'll finish it off with a score prediction for Saturday, Stephen. One nil, Luton. You took my you took my answer, so I'm going to be I'm going to be more positive than you. I'm going to go two nil. Nice. Well, worked. yeah, I think opening I goal hope... in the opening thirty minutes get a bit tense, but then seal it like we did the Wickham game. Yeah, yeah, I hope so, but I think at the same time of not being confident about their their recent record. I also think it's it's time for one of our our you know signature one nil one nil away wins that we tend to it's get about in time. Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it was in Yorkshire. Just just tell them it's in Yorkshire. That's it. That's all. That's all <laughs> they need to hear. Well, that just about sums up everything for this week. And thank you once Lovely. again, everybody, for listening and. We hope to keep continuing with this podcast and making more content for you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, everyone. And a big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the music for our podcast. Be sure to check out Incompetech for similar music. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.